This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. From the After 9 Podcast Studios, this is After 9 with Scott and Kat. Hey now, my oh, friends. Holy DMs, Batman. Oh my goodness, I, I got them too. Uh, if you did not hear yesterday's episode of After Nine, one of the things that we had a pretty good conversation about was housing and the cost of living, the price of being here in Canada. And we asked you a simple question. How are you doing it? Are you thinking about leaving? Because I talk to a lot of people and we get DMs from a lot of people that say they just can't afford to live here anymore. Before we dive into the DMs, one thing that we did not discuss yesterday, it was mainly about leaving Canada. What about just leaving Ontario? Could you ever see yourself moving to the East Coast or maybe to Alberta or Saskatchewan just to try and get life a little cheaper? I, I, I don't I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not at the point where I see myself doing that, but I totally down the line, like, I mean, not now, but maybe eventually, yeah, maybe eventually it would happen um, if it got that bad. I So I understand how much it takes for people to even have that conversation, right? Things have to be pretty bad, I think, for you to be like, we're picking up and leaving. We're moving our entire lives, our, the, our loved ones. We're doing it because that's how bad it is. I think that there's so much that goes into it. That's my first thought is when you ask me that, I'm like, there's so much that goes into that, though. Would I ever do it? That's a lot. But that's where people are at right now. There's too much happening. There's life is too expensive and they can't make it work. And yeah, I mean, the amount of the amount of messages that we have from people who either did it or considering doing it didn't realize it was a consideration until we started talking about it. And now the wheels are turning going. Maybe that's exactly what our family should do. Um, so we pre- appreciate your vulnerability, first and foremost. A lot of you telling us how much you make. You know, like th- those kind of things are very private things. And and not everybody is, is you know, so willing and, and open to, and you never have to, of course, tell us all of your details. But some of you, I mean, I, my, heart, my heart breaks. But these people, let me give you a good example. We thought about leaving, says this. Uh, this is someone who our text line, by the way, one eight three three nine one five show We will answer it eventually, guys, if we don't get a chance to when in the moment you text. My husband makes over $100,000 a year. I make thirty. We're barely scraping by. It used to be that if your household income was over $100,000, you were, you were pretty well off. You were doing pretty damn good in life if you made over 100,000. Now we know things change and inflation is there, but it's incredible how quickly that escalated over the last several years. So there you go. And this person says, my family is the only thing holding me here. Uh, I'm living in the city I was born and raised in. My parents and siblings are here. We have an eight month old. If it was just us, we'd leave. But I do want my son to know his family. It complicates everything. You know, and I read that in a lot of the different texts that came in yesterday. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for X or it wasn't for Y, I'd be gone. Yeah. And a lot of the X's and Y's were family. Yeah. Oh, want to be close to yeah. my fiance's parents. So sure. want to be close to my aunt and uncle. Hey, I mean, if you do whatever's best for you, absolutely. For me, I feel that too. Yeah, I'd kind of like to be close to my mom. I'd kind of like my girlfriend to be close to her parents and so on and so forth, but not for that amount of money. 
It all depends on your situation, though. I totally see. And I totally get what those people are saying, because that would keep me here, too. If I felt like I was so badly struggling that I felt felt like I had to pick up and leave, that would be my deterrent, because that is my village. Those are my people. Those That's not just family. That's Well, that's my kids growing up with their cousins. That's my kids having their grandparents around all the time. That's people to, who to help us, who, who watch our kids and we watch their kids and, and all those kinds of things. So it's, there is definitely a lot of factors that goes into that for, for me. So I fully understand when other people see that as a deterrent for them as well. Okay. What else are people saying? So this person says, I'm 40, born and raised in the GTA. I'm single, no kids yet. I moved to Alberta strictly for the affordability. There you go. Lots of people listening from all over Canada. We appreciate you and beyond, by the way. We got, what do you see the other text I got? Hang on a sec. So they say, in case you're curious and you're thinking Alberta, they say, so far, so good. I do miss my friends and family. Would never consider the U.S. Yes, it's more affordable in some places. They have more problems than we do. How many mass shootings this year? I wouldn't want my children being raised there, especially in a red state. Says this texter. Okay, so politics is going to completely put you in the poorhouse. No problem. Oh, that's fine. I mean, if things are going well for you in Alberta, that's fine. Teach their own. And I've heard from people, too, that have moved out to Alberta. And the one thing I keep hearing from those people is it's good, it's affordable, but it's not the same. They don't like that there's not a an after-work crowd or not a nightlife or not a... Concerts every couple yeah. of days. It depends what you're used to. Here's what I here, here's this here's what I said to somebody who said, "Where in Canada can I go where it's cheap?" First of all, there's there's several factors there. Number one, what do you do for a living? Is it easily transferable to anywhere in Canada? And are there jobs there? So let's say that's a yes for you, and it's somewhere in northern Alberta where they'll fucking live, and it's so cheap. Or even it's on the east coast. Hey, living is pretty cheap at this place in the east coast. So why would I not just move there and do that? Great. Just remember, you have to take the good with the bad there. And a huge factor for a lot of people that I know that made that trek either to a northern, even to a northern Ontario uh, city or out east or in Alberta somewhere, the weather. Ah, the weather yeah. for you might consider that first. I know, I, I mean, even my, my sister-in-law who's moved back to Ontario now lived in Alberta for a while. And that was, the, that was the big difference, I think. The big shocker was like, Oh, okay. So already it's winter and it's winter months before we see it in Ontario where you might be used to it or wherever you're from, right? Just keep in mind weather could be a factor for you. It might be beautiful in the summertime and no issues at all. Just keep that in mind. Um, that's what I would say to that. But it, by all means, if you're able to stretch the dollar a little bit better and have a larger property for cheaper, which is the case in a lot of these different places, whether you're talking about Canada or whether you're talking about a state, I mean, I was doing a little perusing just because I was curious. I had no idea what housing prices were like in random parts of the state. So I kind of picked a few today and I looked through it and I could definitely see it right away. Even by looking at a house, square footage, bedrooms in, in some cities, definitely more affordable. Now that keep in mind, obviously we have to, we have a Canadian dollar, which is a piece of shit. So it's going to be worth more out of our pocket than what's marked there. But nonetheless, there's still a difference there. So it all depends. Is it just about money for you? Is it about other factors for you? Is it about what you do for a living? Do you need to work? And does your partner need to work? So all those things come into play. Um, this person says, I listened to your podcast Monday about moving out of Canada. We have a little family, two little kids. We kind of did a move, but not out of the country, but we moved out of Kitchener, Waterloo. We moved 45 minutes north to Palmerston. Okay, I know where Palmerston is. Me too. I drive there when I'm going to Port Elegon. <laughs> there you go. We sold our Backsplit semi-built in 93 for a 2021 new build detached for the same price. Wow. 
Hey, if you want to do a little experiment, I think everybody knows Realtor.ca and the Realtor app, and you can mm-hmm. check for houses in your area and what they're listed for. You can do a little window shopping if you're looking for real estate. There's also a Realtor.com. Here's what I suggest you do. Go to Realtor.com, pick a city in America, and set your budget at what your house is currently worth. Mm-hmm. If you have a a million-dollar home, and forget the mortgage, because you'll probably have a mortgage there, too, if if you move to, like, the States, for example. But uh, go to Realtor.com, and if your house is worth a million dollars, take a look at what a million dollars buys you there. Then cut it in half and see what you could get for half of that. It's remarkable how affordable the real estate is there compared to here. And by the way, it's all relative. We're complaining about the the real estate insanity here. Americans don't like it either because their prices have gone up as yeah, well. Yeah, their interest rates are not good. It's not like you cross the border and they're, they're paying zero interest. Right. <laughs> we all know that doesn't happen. But what it all comes down to is your monthly take home. How much do you have left over at the end of the month to be able to go out and live a life, uh, put money into savings, save for your education, yeah. all that sort of stuff. I, I think that uh, when you do the math and you look at the take home, in a lot of cases, you're going to end up in a better spot if you can pay less for housing. It, yesterday, I learned something that I did not know. It used to be, only just a couple of years ago, 39% of your income before taxes was the cost of housing. So if you make $100,000 a year, your annual housing costs were about forty grand. Now it's sixty six. Mm-hmm. Before taxes, mm-hmm. before they take the tax off, sixty grand is going to housing. Then you've got what on a hundred grand, maybe 20, 20, 20 to twenty five in in taxes. You have fifteen grand left, just over a thousand bucks a month for your cable, your cell phone, your groceries, your everything. It's insanity that people are making it by. I don't know how people are doing it. I really don't after all this extra money got taken out of our pockets. I just want to read um, this story. We'll read a couple more stories, but man, there are so there are so many of you. In case you were one of the people that messaged, there are so many of you. You are not alone. Uh, this texter said, my husband and I make a decent, decent living. Yet, here we are, credit cards maxed out. We pay almost $2,900 a month in rent. As a family of five, we can barely afford groceries or any extras. I'm constantly going to others for money. Santa won't be making an appearance this year. Back to school shopping is scarce. Because we make a good living, we don't qualify for any government assistance. Because uh. on paper, it looks like you're doing pretty well. But you know that's not the case. Uh, also, because we make a decent living, my older kids were denied OSAP for school. So they work to pay for school. I cried at my parents for grocery money. Shit, I has to, had to ask my mom for money to purchase a book for my eight-year-old. I cry daily, worrying about how we will make ends meet, yet there's no change. And to top it all off, I worked a retail job for two months last year to afford Christmas, and I got dinged with $1,500 owed for taxes, bringing my grand total to $3,400 owed to the government. There doesn't seem to be an end in sight. I'm sad. I've had to resort to antidepressants to get me through this financial crisis. God damn it. And it's a, you know, and it's a rip. Again, thank you for being so vulnerable with us. It is a ripple effect. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, because money is one thing, sure. And some people say, oh, don't let money change. Of course, money is going to make an impact on your relationships. Mm-hmm. Money puts you in a different mental state, can put you in a different mental state. In this case, antide- antidepressants. Like, we shouldn't be at that stage where we're like, I feel depressed. And then the crime rates go up. We know that. The suicide rates go up. Nobody wants to talk about that. And the mental health crisis is already bad before all of this has happened. Mm-hmm. Homelessness. Fuck, don't even get us started on that. And we've talked about that a lot in the podcast. 
It's a ripple effect. That's da- It's a dangerous ripple effect is what it is. I'm wondering when something's going to give. I don't know what it is. I just, I can't put my finger on it, but I feel like something is coming. And I don't know if it's going to be riots because I think people are getting real desperate now. I don't know if it's going to be another massive crime wave. I don't know if there's going to be a a natural disaster. I don't know what it is, but I feel like something's coming. And I don't know if it'll be the kind of relief that we're looking for, but these interest rates can't stay this high for much longer before we have a real catastrophe on our hands. I've been saying that since last year at this time when they were raising rates. I think after five interest rate hikes in a row, I said, you guys got to stop because people can't afford this anymore. We're now at 10 interest rate hikes and they're talking about doing it again next month. And I'm just wondering, as I look around and see what's going on in France and I look around and see what's going on in Norway and, and other countries that are similar to ours, we're like the only country that's just sitting here taking it. Nobody is is standing up on top of the soapbox screaming for relief. And I feel like our governments aren't going to do anything until people do. And, and even at that, I don't know what they're going to do. Businesses are going to start closing. I mean, what's happening now is you have most of the population, the middle class, the ones who pay the taxes in this country, and the ones who do majority of the spending in this country. They're broke. That ripple effect, like you just talked about, is going to go to businesses. Once businesses don't have that same income, that's when the layoffs come. Not to mention, people are just so desperate to try and make ends meet, they're trying to work out crazy salary increases that maybe are fine for now, but in the long term, businesses won't be able to sustain that either. Uh, I'm looking at all these different contracts that are getting worked out with the unions and employers thinking... I don't know how sustainable that is. And when salaries are high, salaries are going to continue to be the first thing that gets cut when a business isn't doing well. So I think that the whole thing is a house of cards and we're pulling cards off the bottom like crazy. And soon the whole thing is going to collapse. If if that analogy makes sense to you, I'm worried about it. It's scary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Okay, let's run through some of the big things that are going on here. Kelowna and Yellowknife seem to have made it through the worst. The evacuation orders are still up, but it seems like those fire crews and the Canadian Armed Forces who are doing great work on the ground have managed to keep those fires at bay and Thank goodness. protected the cities. That's good. That's good. And you're and by the way, I don't know if did we update about your daughter yesterday? No. Everything's good there, right? Yeah, and thank you to everybody who reached out about that too. Yeah. Um yeah, my daughter's fine. She's uh, West Kelowna is the part that was burning, and then there's the Okanagan Lake. And then there's regular Kelowna on the other side. And and she lives at the southern end of regular Kelowna. The only place regular Kelowna that even got hit with the fires even a little bit was the northern part, like north of the airport, north of UBC. So she's okay there. But I, it was so nice that people I've never actually met that I only know through texts and DMs were reaching out to ask if my daughter was okay. Thank you, guys. I've been really worried about her, but it's good. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. Trying to understand how these fires spread the way they do. 
think about it for a second. You, uh, when the bands aren't in place, you're a bit of a campfire girl, right? I do. <laughs> yes. So yes. for a campfire, you will set up your little bin full of wood and, and you've got your kindling and you've mm-hmm. got maybe even you've got one of those like Duraflame fire starters and, and you've got the, the logs ready to go on. It's not easy to light a fire. Sometimes it's not easy to let wood catch fire. Yet these forest fires are plowing through forests faster than I can light my damn barbecue. And it's gas. So it's wild how fast these fires spread. And I admit, I don't understand it. It's quick. I, I don't know how it's moving that quickly. Yeah, in a lot, in some of the cases, it depends on how much, how much like um, dry dryness there is. I think most people know that, right? If it's been dry and there hasn't been a lot of rain, that the drier the trees will be, and the leaves and whatever else the situation is. So it's it's quick. It happens very fast. And if the drier the summer, the quicker it spreads. And the wind though, the wind didn't help. It was actually really high winds for Kelowna in during that that time, if I'm not mistaken, right? And the wind just takes it, picks it up. It's like. <sighs> Well, it's like blowing at a, at a, we all know that we do it, right? At a fire. We to make it go higher. That's exactly what happened, basically, and spreading it out even further. I just feel like even in my fire pit at home, which is only like four feet by four feet, if I set one log on the opposite end of the other log and one log was fully on fire, doesn't matter how hard I blow, it's probably not going to catch that other log, not in any sort of a short order. Uh, that's a fire pit analogy. It's not a forest, I fully admit, but... It's just wild to me how quickly it's spreading. But anyway, uh, good news. They've done great work to get that under control. Yeah, thanks to everybody for doing that. Ontario's English Catholic teachers are going to hold a strike vote October 18th and 19th if they give a strike mandate to the union end of October. There could be a school strike that affects the Catholic elementary schools. The Ontario Secondary School Teachers Federation, we know they're going to have a vote soon. I just don't know when that's going to be. But it could be another school year full of strikes. At least two major unions could walk. That scares me. It scares you. (laughs) Yeah, I know. You've got kids. Well, you know, I, I get that they have to put the strike threat out there otherwise the government i guess doesn't take them seriously sure and, yeah and, yeah and the government's yeah. point of view is very simple take the strike off the table so parents can just rest easy leave it between all of us we will work it out we'll get a deal that works but just stop the th- the strike threat and i don't blame the union for putting the strike threat out there they have every right to do it and they'll be in a legal strike position and again when you look at the cost of living i don't blame the teachers for wanting yeah. more money they deserve it if you can't afford to live in the area you teach in, that's a huge problem. Is it just money, though, or is it the resources that they're lacking? And by resources, I also do mean more staff. Because um, that's missing for in a lot of cases. In some cases. You know what? In, we never get the full story, right? The union's never going to come out and say, oh, we've got everything we need. Well, I mean, you just have to talk to teacher friends or anyone you know who's in who's who's working and to know that they, they lack a lot of resources and they do so much. That's the perspective I have anyway. Well, in Quebec, they've got a slightly different problem. They just announced yesterday they're short 5,000 teachers for the upcoming school year. Yeah, like that's a, that's a problem. Huge problem. But you know what, though? Money solves a lot of these problems. I do a lot of work, but I get paid okay to do it. So I continue to do it. If you don't get paid very well and you're clearly not valued by your employer, why would you do any of the extra? Why would you put in the extra effort and the heart and the the everything that goes into being a teacher if you're just not being paid enough to live or compensated properly for the amount of work you do. So it probably isn't overall. They need a lot of different things, but 
let's be honest, money's at the heart of it. And again, I don't blame teachers. Teachers are members of our community. They're expected to educate young people and bring them up to the same speed the rest of us are at. I just hope they get what they, they they get what they want or come close to getting what they want. They mean the middle here if there is if it is going to go that far. <laughs> I really think again though we need to talk redefine what middle class is because teaching used to be a good middle class job. You know, you made pretty good money and you got your summers off and your March break and we all know how it works. But being a teacher, you could afford a modest home, you could afford a car, your kids in sports, groceries on the table, you yeah. could afford the basics. Now what we pay teachers doesn't add up to the cost of living in Ontario. And that's a goddamn shame. Yeah, it is. Yeah. The And the teachers, by the way, who going back to our first conversation, there's some people who are leaving to teach in other places. And I don't blame yeah. them. So you know, so uh, what, we're losing the good that's the problem is we can't lose the good we can't lose these teachers. Good friend of my son's, he just went to teachers college or sorry, he went to university and got a degree in education. He had a choice and he chose to teach in South Carolina. It was more money, it was better hours, better weather, and uh, the cost of living is cheaper. Groceries, booze, everything, because the taxes are a lot lower. A couple other things I want to get to here. Three former Toronto mayors have written a letter to current Toronto mayor, Olivia Chow, asking her to reconsider the city's decision to rename Dundas Street. In a letter, David Crombie, Art Eggleton, and John Sewell Question the practicality of renaming Dundas Street and the research that even supports it. The three argue there are much more appropriate ways to spend $8.6 million, which is the cost of renaming a street. By the way, if they say 8.6, so, it'll be about 15. That's so dumb. Ugh, I know we talked about it already in one of the podcasts, but that to me is so ridiculous. That we have to do this. We the, don't have to. Actually, let's be clear. We don't have to. No. But we're doing it. It's just... I don't know. Like families right now are dealing with budgets. They're looking at what's coming in and what's got to go out. And at this time of year, there's a lot going out. If they don't have it, they can't spend it. Toronto's got a one and a half billion dollar deficit. Mm -hmm. And they're considering throwing millions away at renaming a street. And I think that's the point of this letter from the former mayor saying, what are you doing? Like there's much, much more important things we got to deal with here. And they're even questioning the accuracy of the research into Henry Dundas himself. Uh, Some are saying that's not exactly right. What you were told most recently that he was into the slave trade. There's a lot of evidence to indicate he was one of the ones trying to end the slave trade and reform things. So this is probably a decision they should put on hold until more research is done and until we can afford it. If it really needs to be done, It can't be done when we're broke and there's people sleeping on the streets. Our social media friends are back in the news, Kat. Some are saying it was reckless and irresponsible of Facebook's meta parent company to continue blocking news from Facebook and Instagram. Here is a question to the prime minister yesterday about it. Okay. Uh, thank you. Merci à tous nos orateurs. Uh, thank you to all of our speakers. We have 15 minutes for questions from media. Nous avons 15 minutes pour les questions des médias. And we will begin with Marika Walsh from the Globe and Mail. Good afternoon, Prime Minister. Going back to your comments about Facebook, the company is only responding to your government's legislation that was passed earlier this year. So will you back down or change on C18? Because they're saying that that's why they're blocking news. The legislation we passed says that uh, companies like Facebook that share local news on their sites that allow people to share local news should be sharing themselves some of the profits they make from advertising. 
on Facebook from sharing that information. It is Facebook's decision to put corporate profits ahead of allowing Canadians to access the news. Instead of making sure they're paying their fair share of the advertising profits Facebook makes off of Canadians with the professional journalists and local news organizations that keep Canadians informed, they are choosing to block access to their sites or access uh, from sharing important local news. This is Facebook's choice. We're simply saying that in a democracy, quality local journalism matters, and it matters now more than ever before when people are worried about their homes, worried about communities, worried about the worst summer for extreme weather events we've had in a long, long time. Facebook is putting corporate profits ahead of our democracy and our well-being, and that's why Canada is not alone in standing up to say to the web giants that they have a responsibility to ensure Canadians can access quality local news in our democracy and around the world. You know, Going to another topic. I, um, it was a great question from Marika Walsh. Great question. Good reporter. How did you feel about the answer? Well, <laughs> you know, nothing has really changed, but I feel like the wildfires... Justin here is really trying to appeal to the emotions of Canadians right now rather than the facts. And I know he plays fast and loose with the facts to begin with. So let's talk about where we are here. Mm -hmm. The law, the law that Justin created, received royal assent and is now in place, says that if you carry those links to the news stories on behalf of the media, you have to give them, and I'll use his words, their fair share. Nobody's ever said what their fair share is, but the social media companies and the tech companies, because Google's going to do the same thing. They're like days, if not weeks, away from pulling the news links off of there too. Once it looks like they're going to have to start paying companies like ours when we're the ones sharing our links on their platform. So the reality is nothing has changed. The law says if you carry the links. So Meta and soon Google have said, all right, then we just won't carry the links. Like, we're not paying for this. We don't have anything to do with creating the content. We don't have any of affiliation with CTV and CBC and Global and City. We, we just don't want any part of it. It's just not something we're going to offer in Canada anymore. No news links. And when the wildfires were spreading in BC, there was some who went and said, oh, it's irresponsible that Meta is still blocking news links. Again, they're not blocking anything. They just don't offer that service anymore because we were extorting them to pay money to companies that are losing money because of their own, well, it's a whole other topic of why the traditional media companies are losing money. But either way, they just decided we're not going to do that. And they have every right to do it. What Meta is doing is following the law. So where do we go from here? There's a couple of options. Number one, they could repeal the bill that started this whole thing in the first place. Just get rid of it. Bring everybody to the table and say, this is the objective. We want to try and support the local media. We think the tech companies who are making a lot of advertising here could help in that. But let's come up with something that works for everybody and is fair. 
Well, that's key. And that's what they did in Australia. Because for those who don't know, and Justin touched on it there a little bit, was that it happened in other places and they made it work. And Australia was one of those. They made a deal to keep the news on Facebook. But Trudeau won't back down here at all. So the rest of this is they could repeal the bill. If they don't want to repeal the bill, Canadians can still go to uh, globalnews.ca. You can go to ctvnews.ca. You can go to citynews.ca. You can go to cbc.ca. Any number of places. This information is not being hidden from anybody. You just get it in different places. You get it in the same place you always got it. You used to click those links and end up back on the global news site or on the city news site. It's the exact same thing. It's just you're not clicking a link on Facebook. Facebook just doesn't link to it. And I get that there's a lot of people that use social media. Maybe if those links were available, they'd click on them. But at the end of the day, if you see a massive fire burning across the hill, go and find out from your local media where it is. It's not going to get spoon-fed to you with a link on Facebook or Google right now, and that's just the way it is. But you know where to get this information. It's still readily available. I don't know why. Other than pure, he doesn't want to be embarrassed again. I don't know why Justin doesn't just repeal this bill, which isn't working for anybody. It's not working for anyone. Like the companies, the media companies are losing so much money now because they're not even getting the traffic they were getting when the links were up on Facebook. I'm sure that they would love for Meta to just give them a check every couple of months and say, hey, thanks for letting us let you post your links on our site to your shit and you made a lot of money off of it. Now we got to pay you for it too. Uh, Here's a check. I'm sure that the media companies would love it, but at the end of the day, it's just not realistic. And Facebook has drawn a line in the sand and said, we just won't offer that service anymore. There are conversations happening. We know that. So the situation could get updated for sure. And we'll keep you updated on that once we know anything. But we do know that there's conversations. Sure. It's kind of a weird premise though. What do you think? Like, should these... It's fu- uh, yeah. It Should is Meta a weird be premise. paying companies no, like ours? I don't. It's tough because we work for this gives, company. It is <laughs> tough. It is tough. And look, everybody is a content creator. Okay, of course, these are actual news companies that have a lot of money behind pushing these stories out. It costs them money to bring us the news, right? It costs them money, so I understand that. News is expensive. News guys. is expensive. Really it's not expensive. cheap. Um. Whereas if someone else is a content creator over here and they're they're showing you kitchen hack videos, whatever, I just trying to figure out how we can differentiate that. Like we understand that news is news and, and that's important stuff. And maybe you would think it's not as important as watching something else that people, but everybody is a content creator. So if that's the argument to me, then when you're pushing content out, Maybe you're owed some money too. You know what I'm saying? Where do you draw the line? Where right? do you draw the line? Is that's that's my biggest issue I have with it. And I think there could be a compromise. There should be, and hopefully there will be a compromise where both parties are happy enough. But the government has to step in, I think, and do something because I don't think it's going to happen between Meta and the media companies. They can't control everything. Right. It's this bill that's. Right in the middle. The bill is right in the way now. Like if they pulled that off the table and you got Mark Zuckerberg and John Global in the same room and they could say, hey, listen, we're going to post a ton of links to stuff on our website on your platform and and you're making like 10 times the revenue we are from ad revenue. And that used to be all our revenue, but you guys came out with something more innovative and now people are on your platform instead of ours. Let's figure out how to work together and, and maybe we can find some efficiencies here. But that conversation can't take place with this bill right in the way. Yeah. And- when it comes to uh, this speech here from Justin, you ever notice when he gets angry, 
he talks like this and, and they're just yep. the corporate profits. And I don't understand. Like, calm down, dude. Like, just relax. It was a bad bill. Let's take the bill off the table. You guys stay out of it for a little bit. Let the companies negotiate something. And then if it needs to be done at that point, then you can put in some legislation that solidifies the deal that's been done. But right now, it's very much cart before the horse and nobody is winning here. Uh, as far as this hyperbole that they endangered lives in BC because there wasn't a link to the forest fires on Instagram. I mean, that's just garbage. It, it's not true. There was The information was still there. The same people that gave you the information are still there giving you that information. You just don't see a link to it on Facebook because they decided we don't want to be part of that. One last thing on this. I personally don't think a link is content. And it's very simple. I mean, articles get posted on the cbc.ca, and they've usually, in a lot of cases, got them set to auto-post to Facebook. Here's the latest story on yeah. cbc.ca. And it's just a an automated process. It's probably not even a person behind it, but that's what CBC wants Facebook to pay for them for. And I don't see that that's content. I really don't. It, it creates a conversation, maybe, if they even allow comments on their posts, but it's not content. If they'd gone and posted an exclusive news story from CBC only on the CBC Facebook page, that might be different, but everything links back to their actual website, which is the content, not on the platforms. So I think even the terminology is wrong here, but... Either way, something's got to give because mm -hmm. if we have any more media go under in this country, it is going to be a catastrophe and we need a free, independent media. Be nice if they were self-sufficient. I guess in this current advertising climate, it's not going to happen, but the, the bill's got to go as far as I'm concerned. And on that, we will say thank you for your text messages. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the stories that came in. It's heartbreaking what's happening right Honestly, now, Honestly, we only got to mention a few of them, but there are countless people, again, in the same boat. Um, and I, I did mention I would I would say this, so I just want to wrap up with someone who messaged us when we were on doing our radio show quite early in the morning, actually, from Belgium, who made the move to Belgium oh. for affordability. And they say they did it years ago and, and haven't looked back. So people have managed to do it. It is possible. So if you're thinking about doing it and you're thinking maybe I shouldn't, there's people out there that I'm sure you could talk to about about making that move. Ultimately, we want to keep you as a as a listener <laughs> in every way, shape, or form. But we totally understand that life's a little tough right now, right? The a few people have also asked us, "How do you do it?" I, I'm not going to say this is how you do it. This is how you get out of Canada. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of different I, because it's different depending on who you are and what your situation is. Yeah, it has a lot to do with what you do for a living, too. Yeah. Uh, there's certain careers that are considered in demand, and the U.S. will yeah. just let you in. Like if they're looking for I don't know, engineers, and you're an engineer. You might be able to get a green card, fast track, rubber stamped, and boom, you go set up wherever you want in America, and you start mm -hmm. engineering here. If you are a, I don't know, in sales, well, America's swimming in salespeople. That's probably not going to get you an exemption to come in and start selling in America. There's different career paths that'll get you the green card to be able to work a lot faster. But I even wonder about that. I mean, you see the same videos I do. Look at how many thousands of people are pouring over America's southern border every day. They're not all unemployed. A lot of them are working. So clearly there's American companies that are willing to hire people under the table or or just hire undocumented immigrants. I 
I don't know. Is that an option? Hey, that's it. Maybe that's the next conversation is what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? What is going I don't on? know. Um, I know some people who, uh, and I think we had this conversation. We touched on it in the podcast. If not, it was on the, on radio, uh, our radio show, but who, who are, who kind of find ways around things. Let's just put it that way. Who find ways around things or they're trying to figure out how to do it. I love, I love that shit. You know, so hey. You, if, I'll come up with a workaround. If, I'll figure it out for you. <laughs> so if you want to remain anonymous, maybe you know what that is. Because um, again, with the snowbirds, I go back to the snowbirds and I think like, how many of them are checking in? How many of them are actually doing what they're legally supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. I don't know if the answer's all of them. Yeah. I know the answer's not all of them, but I don't know how many of them there are. Last thing, I was DMing with um, a wine company, and and I tried their wine on Friday because for those not necessarily versed in marketing, if you have a product with a picture of a cute animal on it, people are probably going to be drawn to it. <laughs> people seem to like that. I was at the LCBO on Friday, and it was National Pinot Noir Day, and I wanted to pick up a new Pinot, and I found Bar Dog. And decent wine. It's certainly not the yeah. best wine I've ever had, but you know what? Real good mix of flavors in there. It was a little fruity. It had some neat tones to it. It was okay. great. I read the back of the bottle when I was trying to figure out where it's from and things like that. And I found out that this company donates to animal shelters. Oh, that's nice. And and so I, I reached out to them and I was like, hey, just want to let you know, uh, the fact that you donate to and support animal shelters made me buy this wine and I'm probably going to buy more in the future. And they said, this is one of the things that we care about the most. That's nice. So they donate. And if you need to get right drunk when you look at your pay stub, <laughs> uh, try the Bar Dog Red Pinot Noir. It is a beautiful wine and it supports a great cause. Have a great day, everybody. We will catch you right back here tomorrow with another After Nine. Bye, friends.